Well, as we've been journeying towards Christmas, we've been asking ourselves the question, what stories are you rooted in, right? Um, We've been talking about the types of stories that we tell, that tell us who and whose we are, right? That give us something greater than just kind of our day-to-day to to define who we are, uh, that give us belonging and identity and purpose. These are stories that tell us our roots, that root us. Um, And uh, that's really what the Christmas story is, right? When we tell the stories of Jesus in Christmas, we tell the stories of those who came before him. Uh, We tell the stories of his roots. And we believe that if, you know, by faith, we're rooted in Jesus's story, then the stories that we tell are actually stories that root us as well. They tell us our stories of our spiritual family tree. Um, And so we've been inviting ourselves to kind of tell some of those stories and to recognize how uh, they tell us our story as well. We uh, talked about Sarah and Abraham who root us in the promise of God. Uh, We talked about the uh, last, the uh, story of Moses or like Moses's moment uh, that roots us in the story of God's rescue and redemption. Today, we're going to look at the story of David. David was a king of Israel. Um, And before Jesus, we would have called David the king of kings. Like he was the biggest, most awesome, coolest, greatest king of Israel that there ever was. When when Israel was at its strongest, most prosperous sort of moment. He's the king of kings, right? Uh, Up until Jesus, when we use that phrase uh, for him. And we're going to look today. I mean, David's story is too big to tell uh, in one sitting. But we're going to look at David's origin story. Uh, David's origin story. I believe, roots us in the peace and joy that comes from knowing that we are seen by God. And I want to add and known there, right? David's David's origin story roots us in the peace and joy that comes from knowing that we are seen and known by God. It's also a really important one for us to tell if we want to understand Jesus's origin story. Because in order to understand Jesus's origin story, we've got to understand David's origin story. And even if you don't know what I mean when I say that, I think you know exactly uh, what I mean. If you've ever uh, sung or heard the hymn, O Come, O Come, Emmanuel, one of the verses says, O come thou root of Jesse's tree and ensign of thy people be. Uh, We're singing about Jesus. We're saying that Jesus is from the root of Jesse's tree. Jesse was David's dad, right? We also read the Christmas story on Christmas Eve, Luke chapter two. We talk about how uh, when Caesar Augustus was the emperor, everybody had to go to their hometown uh, to be registered so that they could be taxed. And it says uh, all went to their own towns to be registered. Joseph of Joseph and Mary also went from the place that they were living, Nazareth in Galilee, to Judea, to the city of David called Bethlehem, because he was descended from the house and family of David. He went with Mary to whom he was engaged and who was expecting a child, right? Joseph is from the lineage of King David and Jesus was born in Bethlehem. It's where all of David's people were from. And so they call it the city of David. When the wise men later in the story show up, they go to Jerusalem, the capital city, because normally new kings are born to existing kings. Uh, but it seems that God had done a bit, a little bit of a workaround. And so the new king was very surprised to discover that a new king had been born, despite the fact that he did not have any new children. So he gathered all the religious elites of the day together to determine where the new king had been born, because this new king was a threat to his lineage, and he wanted to take care of the situation. They came back and they said, Bethlehem, they pointed to the prophets. And you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah, for from you shall come a ruler who is to shepherd my people. Pay attention to that word shepherd. We'll come back to it in just a little bit. Isaiah says, a shoot shall come out of the stock 
of Jesse, David's dad, and a branch shall grow out of its roots. Even when the tree has been cut off and there is a stump, a branch will grow out of its roots. The prophets knew that Bethlehem is where the Messiah, the anointed leader that God was going to send to rescue God's people, was ultimately going to come from. Not from the center of power in Jerusalem, from just outside it. So, if we want to understand where Jesus came from, we have to understand where David came from. And David came during <laughs> came from like an awkward moment. Uh, it's one of my favorite stories in all of scripture. Uh, David was anointed as king in the most awkward of all ways. Uh, and we're going to tell that story today. Uh, there was a chief priest at the time and God spoke to the priest and said, I need you to go to a place called Bethlehem, find a man named Jesse, and I want you to anoint as king one of his sons. Here's why it was awkward. Uh, there was already a king, but God was doing a workaround, as God often does. Uh, and so Samuel, the priest, didn't want to go to talk to Jesse because he was afraid the current king, whose name was Saul, was going to kill him. Right? If he knows that I'm going to anoint a new king, he's going to take care of the whole situation. So God cooks up this like covert plan and says, here, just take a cow. Take a cow, and when you get there, say, I've come to make a sacrifice to the Lord. If anyone is listening to me, we're just making a sacrifice to the Lord, and we're going to sit down and have a nice meal of some prime rib. That's all that's going on here. And so that's what he does. He shows up in Bethlehem. <clears throat> Jesse, the dad, comes out. Why are you here? I'm here to make a sacrifice to the Lord. Invite all your sons to come to the party. And they do. All the sons are sanctified, right? They're made pure for this religious feast by Samuel. And <clears throat> that's where we pick up the story. Uh, it says, when he came... When they came, so everybody is there, uh, everybody's at the party, everyone's been sanctified. Samuel looked on Eliab, the first of the sons of Jesse, and thought, hmm, surely the Lord's anointed is now before the Lord. But God says to Samuel, do not look, do not look on his appearance or on the height of his stature, because I have rejected him. For the Lord does not see as mortals see. They look on the outward appearance, but the Lord looks on the heart. Then Jesse called Abimadab, second son, and made him pass before Samuel. And Samuel said, neither has the Lord chosen this one. And then Jesse made number three, Shema, pass before the Lord. And he said, neither has the Lord chosen this one. Jesse made all seven of his sons pass before Samuel. And Samuel said to Jesse, the Lord has not chosen any of these. Then Samuel so he pulled Jesse aside, I imagine, and said, are all of your sons here? And Jesse said, well, there remains yet the youngest, but he's keeping the sheep. And Samuel said to Jesse, send and bring him, for we will not sit down until he comes here. So Jesse sent and brought him in. Now he was ruddy and had beautiful eyes and was handsome. And the Lord said, rise and anoint him, for this is the one. And then Samuel took the horn of oil and anointed him in the presence of his brothers. And the spirit of the Lord came mightily upon David from that day forward in the presence of his brothers. So I love that. Um, David, I want to make the argument, was uh, invisible to everyone in the story. He was an invisible man uh, to those who were there. He was out of sight. He was out of mind. And God regularly makes a habit of taking invisible people and putting them in the center of the story. He was out of sight and out of mind. Nobody saw him. Nobody was paying attention to him. Uh, he was out in the fields. 
when when he says when Samuel tells Jesse like bring all your kids here all your sons like he didn't even get the invite right um he didn't belong everyone that was needed to be there that belonged there was there they were all sanctified they were all ready to roll he was out of sight and he was out of mind i mean his name david doesn't even get mentioned until after he's anointed he's just the one he's a pronoun right but uh he gets a name by the end of it right um he was also not one of the seven, right? Seven of Jesse's sons. Seven, if you every time you see seven in the Old Testament in particular, New Testament as well, uh, it's worth paying attention to. Seven was a number of uh, wholeness or completeness. David's not even like a part of the number of seven, right? He's, he's the outlier. He's the remnant. He's the remainder. If you're doing long division, uh, like he's the one that doesn't count, right? He's one outside of completion. He's seven plus one. He shows up straight from the field. Nasty, dirty, unsanctified, didn't even have time to go by the house because nobody can sit down and eat until he gets there. But God brings him in and puts him at the center of the story in front of his brothers. David was an invisible man. I, I choose that phrase uh, intentionally uh, because every time I read this story, it reminds me of another story. Uh, it's Ralph Ellison's book, Invisible Man. I don't know if you've had a chance to read it before. It's uh, it's one that feels like it really has shaped and formed my uh, understanding of the world, my life. I can remember it as being a really pivotal moment. In fact, of all the books I read in high school, uh, this is the one that still sits on my shelf. Um, and here's the opening to the prologue uh, I want you to hear. Uh, this is uh, Ellison's protagonist, right? I am an invisible man. No, I am not a spook like those who haunted Edgar Allan Poe, nor am I one of your Hollywood movie ectoplasms. I am a man of substance, of flesh and bone, of fiber and liquids, and I might even be said to possess a mind. I am invisible, understand, simply because people refuse to see me. Like the bodiless heads you sometimes see in circus sideshows, it is as though I have been surrounded by mirrors of hard, distorting glass. When they approach me, they see only my surroundings themselves or figments of their imagination. Indeed, everything and anything, except for me. He wasn't actually invisible, simply by the color of his skin. He was considered to be invisible by those around him. Nobody saw him. They chose. They chose not to see him. David is not invisible visible. He doesn't wear like a Harry Potter cloak or anything like that. He's invisible simply because people refuse to invite him to the party. He's out of sight and out of mind. He doesn't look the part. There's even this odd little factor uh, that happens. And we know the moral of the story, right? God's already said to Samuel, we read it. Samuel heard it. Mortals look on the outward appearance, right? They see kings. This person looks like they're supposed to be a king, but God looks on the heart. Right? God sees differently. And yet, even though we know that, even though Samuel knows that, when David walks in, how does he define him? He doesn't say, oh, gosh, this guy looks so humble, or, oh, I can really tell that he's got a beautiful heart. He says he was ruddy, tanned, and handsome, and had beautiful eyes. Right? It's like Samuel can't even get out of Samuel's way. It sounds like an eHarmony profile, right? But that's not how God chooses to operate. That's not why David got chosen by God to be a leader, a shepherd of God's people. Why was he chosen? Well, God tells us a few uh, chapters later, and then we hear it repeated again in the New Testament, in the book of Acts, pointed back to it. I have found David, God says, son of Jesse, to be a man after my own heart, who will carry out all of my wishes. David is the kind of person that God always chooses 
to lead the world towards shalom, right? To lead in the kingdom of God. It's important to note here um, that David was far from perfect, right? I said earlier that some of our stories embarrass us. Some of them inspire us. Um, David's story at times is, is really ugly. In fact, Matthew brutally and redemptively traces Jesus's lineage through David's infidelity, through David's violence to a woman named Bathsheba and her husband who he would later murder named Uriah. Jesus is the redemptive work even in David's story. David was out of sight, out of mind, an invisible man, a shepherd of God's people. Jesus, born, out of sight, out of mind, and a shepherd in his own right. It's just worth paying attention to that this is how God chooses to enter into our story. This is how God chooses to enter into the world. Vulnerable, born a baby, a baby in a barn to an unmarried Mary in the backwoods of Bethlehem from the roots of Jesse's stump. Like David's family's been cut off and we have this root coming out from the roots, right? Not even from a branch, but coming from roots. Who became a rabbi rather than the ruler everyone wanted, who was lynched by the empire rather, rather than winning a revolt against them. Like This is the, the reality of God that we have to grapple with when we tell Jesus' story, when we tell David's story. It's that God is always choosing the wrong sorts of people to be leaders. But because they're different than the ones that we would choose. But we're always choosing the wrong kind of people to be our leaders as well. We choose the obvious ones, the ones who look the part. And they, they fail us over and over again. And God tends to choose the ones that nobody else saw coming. And they're not perfect, but they're faithful. And God uses their imperfect faithfulness to lead the kingdom forward. And the list of those people is long. David is certainly not the first and absolutely not the last. But here's what I think I want to say while we're together. If you are an invisible person, I want you to know that this story, this lineage, the spiritual family tree of invisible people includes you too. If you are an imperfect person and you think that that disqualifies you, I want you to hear God's clear and consistent invitation to participate in the kingdom of God. We tend to choose people who look the part. God sees those invisible people who are overlooked, who are out of sight and out of mind, and regularly invites them, puts them in the center of the story. We tend to put our trust in those who pretend to be perfect and ultimately let the world down by their faults and failures. God puts God's trust in those who strive to be steadfast, and God uses their faults and failures to perfect the world. God uses roots beneath stumps, redeems our brokenness, and through the grace of Jesus, God's power is perfected in our weakness. David's story is, of course, not just David's story. It's Mary's story. And Mary's story is not just Mary's story. It's Jesus' story. And Jesus' story isn't just Jesus' story. It's ours. Because Jesus is rooted in a bigger story, so are we. May David's origin story root you in the peace and the joy that comes from knowing that you are seen and known by God. You have been invisible, 
long enough. You are seen, you are centered, you are known, and you are loved by God, who is using you to bring forth wholeness, goodness, and beauty in the world. May you know this truth today. Amen. Well, it's been great to worship with you together during this time. Uh, We'd love to invite you to come and join us for worship in person or online, live on Sunday mornings or throughout the week. You can find more information about our worship times or worship with us online at fbumc.org. And while you're there, uh, you can find plenty of ways to connect with us, uh, whether that's uh, connecting in sort of an opportunity for community around here or serving the greater Fuquay community around us. Uh, So we'd love to invite you to join us for those. If this is a resource that provides you spiritual sustenance and you'd like to partner with us in making it possible for everyone else, while you're there, at the top right-hand corner, there's a button that says Give, or you can go to feumc.org slash give and make a gift there that makes the mission and ministry of this place possible. We're so thankful for everyone who partners with us uh, to do just that. Listen, it's been great. It's been great to be together with you uh, in this moment, and we look forward to worshiping again with you real soon. We'll see you then.